Well, good afternoon and thank you once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we're going to look at our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one says, three steps for asking for help without looking stupid. We're also going to try and catch up with Christina. She's over in Greece at the moment and wants to talk about entrepreneurial spirit on the island, but hopefully we can get hold of her in Greece. But right now we're going to have our chat with uh, Chartered Accountant Tony Vidray talking about the teething problems with single-touch payroll. Good afternoon, Tony. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So... uh, (laughs) Why aren't, why aren't we on an island somewhere in Mykonos or something like that doing the same thing? Well, it, well, it is uh, 6.30 in the morning there, though, so uh, uh, I'd, I'd, she's, she's going to get out of bed. Ha- I'd be happy to be there at 4 o'clock <laughs> in the morning if it was a Greek island. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, well, we're, we're going to get her out of bed anyway. Um, yeah. Reconciliation with uh, single-touch payroll is, is over now, and I believe there's a few teething problems there. Yeah, I just thought we'd do a bit of a, a catch-up scene when talking on the 1st of, um, of August. Yesterday was the um, official extended due date for everyone to, all employers, to lock down all of their payroll for the year into 30th of June 2019. So there are a few exceptions to, for the very small operators, but um, you know, for anyone who's got probably about five employees or more, um, up until yesterday it was when uh, you had fun to, 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 to lock down those um, those pay details. So I just some interesting things that I've read in the last month of um, some teething problems that um, that some accountants, bookkeepers, and payroll um, people um, had during the the month of July was getting all the way to, through to the very end of it and see, you know having a, a payroll report, um, but it didn't agree with what the tax office thought the payroll was. And then the fun and games begins where they had to go through essentially line by line and then try and work out well what's been reported to the um, to the tax office and what hasn't. And in the main, this sort of um, discrepancy occurred when some employers jumped in partway through the year. So if you had someone who jumped in in, say, September 18 um, and started reporting their pays from that point on, um, the system or the process was quite clever enough to pick up all of those employees' year-to-date figures. So you didn't okay. have to go back and, and, and process every single pay and, and let them know. But the problem was is that well, the problem is that if you had someone who resigned, say, at the end of August, well, they're not a current employee, so they... Didn't they get picked up. Been, they didn't get picked up. So you get to the very end of the whole payroll and you think, oh, hang on, my wages in my payroll report here are a million dollars, but the tax office thinks that I've only paid 900000 and that's where a lot of the, uh, a lot of the fun and games um, began with that. You had to go through and process another pay, like a dummy pay, to get all those... <laughs> terminated employees to, to flow through and then there were headaches with salary sacrifice amounts which is a task a massive 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 task um, in itself under under the old way when you used to be able to do um, some payment summaries if you knew what the amount was you're able just to pop the figure mm-hmm. in yeah. um, but no now under single touch payroll um, you, you pretty much had to go through and do a a, a one-off pay to um, to actually that was the only way you could do it. You had to actually do it, report it through the pay um, system. You couldn't just pop a uh, pop a figure in there. So, it's a lot of a lot of teething problems and a lot of headaches and a lot of people um, who were trying to get their returns done. Now, you might remember the the government very very close to 30 June rushed through um, some legislation for an extra offset this year. It's a thousand and eighty dollar extra offset. So everyone's rubbing their hands together. Um, wanting to lodge their tax returns early, and of course they go into MyGov, and it won't let you because the you know the, the, it actually says you're not ready. The, the, we're still
waiting to hear from your employer um, to lock down your pay details, and until that's done, it, you, can't it, um, you can't do it. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> so, so anyway, so anyone who who wants to lodge a return and the. Again, some of the funny things you read, you know, like the tax office implored people at the start of July, look, just wait um, a week or so until we get our systems and processes together um, so that they could um, have, you know, the resources to be able to process returns for this extra $1,080 offset. Well, apparently in the first two weeks of July, uh, it was up 88% on last year, the number wow. of people who had, uh, who had lodged uh, returns. So it's been a very very interesting process so far. So, And I believe there was some problems with Zero. Yeah, Zero had a bit of an interesting um, PR disaster on their hands um, leading up to 30 June. Now, the ATO essentially said, look, you know, all employers that pay 19 or fewer employees, you guys have got to kick in and start single-touch payroll from the 1st of July 2019. And they encouraged people to go early. Okay, and they said, look, if you go early, we don't really care if you do um, report all the payment summaries the old way or the new way. Okay, so what a lot of people did, and it was fair enough. They go, okay, in the month of June, let's test this new system out just to see. Let's let's be ready. And the problem was that Zero um, had this unique little thing in their software that not a lot of other places had, which was if you reported your pay. Let's say that they, you know, you did a dummy run, and you think, okay, I'm going to report the pay. Uh, for the weekend of 20th of June 2019, as soon as you did that, Zero went, well, you now have to report um, oh, all of the payment summaries under the single-touch payroll method. And there were a lot of... I actually read a lot of anger and vitriol aimed at them, and and, and um, Zero handled it very interestingly by saying, um, oh, it's not really our problem, ring the tax office. Um, <laughs> but their software actually greyed out the whole area for payment summaries. You couldn't actually do it the old way, and you couldn't undo it. So that was it. People were then locked That's into... It. Yeah, having to report the pay through single-touch payroll, which is they really didn't want to do that. They wanted to do it the old way, um, and they were just, they were just getting rid of it. So it was an interesting, um, interesting little um, PR disaster. But I, and I'll leave you with one very interesting thing that I read, which just makes me shake my head. Have a guess as who is the largest um, defaulter or the largest group of people, employers, twenty or more, who have who are still to this date not embraced single-touch payroll. Now, if you remember... Government departments. Government departments. Can you believe it? <laughs> you, you got it in one. So, so anyone who had 20 or more employer, employees had to report from the 1st of July 18. It's been in for over a year for those guys, and uh, apparently they topped the list of, um, of, of employers who've defaulted on the uh, single-touch payroll pro, uh, process. So, so you've mentioned now that uh, people with less than 19 employees are now have to be in the system. Has that take-up yep. happening? Is there probably out there many of them still floundering with that? Um, look, it, it is, it's, a, it's a long process. Um, there is a take-up. The ATO have said, you know, in their infinite wisdom that they won't start compliance action. So they're giving people um, a little bit of time to, to jump on. And even if you jump on as of today, well, it's going to pick up the year-to-date payroll as of today. Like, they're not going to come down on you heavily. But if you give it another year or so and you still haven't jumped in, you can expect a... A, um, a please explain from the from the tax office because they're getting they're getting very serious of, of getting these sort of data in real time so that they can cross check um, Centrelink benefits, family tax benefits, all that sort of stuff. Delinquent um, fathers who don't pay their child support, they're starting to use all of this data in real time, and they can't have 
some people that are opting out of the system to say, no, we're not going to, um, we're not going to play the game. So, yeah, look, there's, a, there's some teething issues, and there's a lot of data going to the um, to the ATA. So we're in that phase now of um, yeah, just um, yeah, don't push it. <laughs> so, but but if you uh, of a, if you're a family business, uh, yeah. you've got an exemption for a couple of years. How do they how do they know that you're a family business? Um, there's a there's an interesting list that they've got called the closely held concession um, list. So they the tax office actually emailed that around to accounting firms um, every year around about September and say here's all the people that we think are on the the closely held um, list, all the family businesses. Um, please add on you know who else you think um, should be added on there. And so they are then exempt from this single touch payroll. Um, and they will allow you to do the, the payment summaries at the end of the year. There's an exemption until the 1st of July 2020 for those single, for those closely held payees. And then from that point on, they've, they've flagged that they will accept wages to be reported in each um, quarterly BAS, which to okay. me is a really sensible thing to, um, yeah, um, yeah, to do. So. Yeah. And as you know yourself, you know, you've got a small business um, that you're running yourself, you know, you, you, your you cash flow... Yeah, that's it. Well, your cash flow is erratic, and so some, exactly. some it's, it's it's real feast or famine stuff. So you can't. It's not the the regular payments, and so they they've now finally acknowledged that, and that'll be um, that'll be in each each quarterly basis, which I think is a really good outcome. Great. Well, well thank you for that, and uh, have a good month. We'll talk to you next month. Do you know what I want to talk to you about next month? No, tell me. Payroll and and wages. You know the recent case with the um, the Mr. Master Chef underpaying. Oh his, yeah, um, yeah. I read a very interesting article about before that case went to, went to hit the airwaves. Um, is our industrial relation um, system too complicated? And I've, I've put it aside. And I thought that's a really good now topical um, thing to talk about. Is is is, 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 is all of this now too hard um, to actually process um, people's um, pays? Oh, great. We'll talk to you next month then. Have a great week. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Tony Vidray there, helping us with some of the challenges with the uh, single-touch payroll. And just remember that if you've got less than 19 employees, you now need to be part of that system. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM. It's coming up to 23 minutes past one. Or if you're in the Greek islands, it's 23 minutes past six in the morning. Good afternoon, Christina. Good, good, okay. good morning. How are you? <laughs> yeah, very good morning. It's a very early morning. How are you? I'm, I'm glad we can get a chat with you today because uh, you've got some interesting t- things to talk about entrepreneurial spirit on the island. Yes, and it's quite amazing when you actually look around you on some of these tiny, tiny islands. Um, and it's the same even in cities when people come up with unusual ideas and you go, where did they think of that? So I was very fortunate this week. Um, who have been driving around on this, this tiny island. Uh, and what we noticed was a tiny little, what we call a cantina, um, that's perched on a, on a mountaintop. Uh, and it, um, it has the most amazing view. But it's this little canteen, like a caravan on top mm. of the mountaintop, serving the most delicious um, dips and, and foods and everything uh, on the island, coffees, beers, etc., available. Uh, and, and we got to talking to the owner and, and asked him how he came to be in this um, in this place that he was. Uh, and it turns out that he was driving past. He, he's a resident of the island. He lived in in, um, in the capital of the island, and he drove past this area. And he thought that would make a remarkable place for tourists, for example, to sit and stop and have a you know have a drink. It's it's on the way to a popular monastery. Uh, and he so he set up a cantina. 
put some shelter um, up there because, as you can imagine, it gets quite hot on some of the islands. Um, but the, the other thing is it gets quite windy. So he installed um, some weather protection that can, you know, be, be um, put down or lifted up depending on where, you know, what the, what the wind is mm-hmm. doing. So we went up there the other night. It was quite windy. Um, down came the down came the protective sheets. The food was, to, you know, as most, most on most islands it is to die for, um, all homemade, all fresh ingredients, etc. Um, and, and had quite a, a nice little respite shop at the top of this um, mountain. It's, it's called... It's just outside a, um, a village called Anoye, and it was it was quite a remarkable thing. So we, we were talking to this um, to the owner about how things operate. You know that his his wife does the cooking and um, she's responsible for the menu, uh, and he does operations. He's very um, he's very hands on. Uh, so that was that was was quite interesting to to know that his um, his brain was always in constant go mode. It's not the only um, job that he does on the island. But it's that whole entrepreneurial, what can happen, what comes next. And if you think about um, a lot of the, the islands, not only in Greece, you know, a lot of the islands throughout Europe, they are very much dependent on a, um, on a month, two-month, three-month tourist season for income. And um, some of the things that, that happen around advertising small businesses, around doing deals, um, having commercial arrangements with bus companies, for example, and the tour boats that come into the, into the small islands. And, you know, some of these buses travel the most bizarre roads to get to, you know, to get to wonderful little places see, so that yeah. people can have a look. And it, yeah, is, so it's just you're, you're talking about advertising. Is social media strong over there? Absolutely. You know, they, I mean, look, at, we've got, we've had better internet coverage um, on this Greek island than we have on the roads of Newcastle to Sydney, as we've spoken about before, <laughs> Julian. So, you know, I've, I was, you know, I was doing a business call the other day in the middle of a goat track. Basically, I had um, somebody rang me up, and we were we were talking in the middle of a goat track. But it's the it's the way that the satellite system has been set up. It's not that it's not like that all the way around. Um, but the other thing I was reading about this week that would be of interest, I think, to anybody that does any travelling, uh, is they're redesigning. There's a company called Molen Blade Seating Design, um, and they've redesigned the the seats on your flight. And they're going to be trialling it. They're actually not saying which airlines are trialling at the moment, which I, I really want to know which ones are. Um, but the middle seat, you know how you kind of get stuck in this middle seat? Yeah, anything yeah. longer than a four-hour flight makes it really inconvenient. So the middle seat is larger, and it's set back from the seat on either side. And by making the middle seat slightly lower, having it set back, and it's also a tiny bit wider, um, it means that your arms and shoulders and thighs and elbows get to spread out a little more easily than if you were squashed in between at the same um, same level and everything else as the people on either side of you. And there's a two-level armrest design, um, which means that, you know, that, that high kind of elbow fight, who's going to get that, that little bit of edge, uh, you know, who's going to get that edge when you're in the middle seat for your arms to rest and everything. So they're trialling this design um, very soon, actually, you know, in about three or four different airlines. Uh, and just those tiny little things around comfort and what it means to have that extra leg room and, you know, what it means to, to set the right meals and the right constituents in the, and, and how many times you need to drink, that in itself is quite a remarkable thing. You know, yeah. where did those ideas come from? Thinking of the customer. Well, well, you yeah, have an enjoyable absolutely. day, and uh, we'll try and catch up with you again next week if we can. Um, and uh, it's amazing that we can chat with you in Greece, and yet... Uh, a few weeks ago, we couldn't chuck you in the hunter. 
It is bizarre, isn't it? So, you know, who, who knows? The world is becoming a much smaller place. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too, Julian. Bye. That's Christina there in uh, in Greece. With that entrepreneurial spirit is alive everywhere, isn't it? And you're listening to Business, the Law, and You on Two NURFM. Coming up to 27 minutes to two. Time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one: three steps for asking for help without looking stupid. Too often, managers make mistakes because they are afraid to ask for help. Not knowing how to do something may be embarrassing, but not asking for help can lead to disastrous results. Next time you're faced with something you're uncertain about, use these three steps to ask your colleague, manager or peer for assistance. First of all, start with what you know. Begin your request for help with context and background about the situation so that the other person knows what you know. Secondly, ask for feedback on a proposed direction. Just because you're uncertain doesn't mean you can't form an opinion. Explain what you're thinking of doing and ask for input and direction. And then finally, ask for tangible advice. If you're still unsure about what direction to take, be direct with the other person. Ask for the tools you need to make a decision or for a referral to someone who has been in a similar situation. So some interesting comments there. We are often afraid to ask for help, aren't we? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at some of these uh, teething problems with single-touch payroll, and hopefully they'll get sorted out soon, and uh, particularly uh, people with businesses less than 19 people. We now have to uh, register and do single-touch payroll, so uh, it could become quite challenging. Next week, we're going to talk about business succession with Rani Gardner from Turnbull Hill Lures. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina if we can get hold of her in the Greek islands and we'll have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as the Dalai Lama once said remember that not getting what you want is sometimes a wonderful stroke of luck. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.